Good morning and welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology and the last episode of Breakfast Theology. It is a bittersweet day. Yeah. I am I am here. Josiah is my name. I'm here. And Isaac is here. Hello. And Chuck is here. Hi everybody. One hundred episodes. Yeah. In the cloud. <laughs> As uh, Chuck stated we recorded 99 episodes not a hundred I was gonna say we recorded a hundred episodes but recording the hundredth so let's be accurate here <laughs> uh, I just looked it up and we published our first episode November 14th 2019 almost four years ago almost my entire time of being in North Kent breakfast theology has been something I've been doing it's like uh, 50 to 60 hours of breakfast theology. For those that have been here since the beginning, good job listening to us talk about stuff for over two days straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to every episode, um, I would love to hear from you just to see what stood out to you and you know how it impacted you. I'll still be able to get the emails. You can email us at breakfasttheology at gmail.com with thoughts or comments or things on the podcast and maybe eventually we can there's a, a lot of them we can read them out and just kind of do like a follow-up comment episode or something but uh, we would love to hear from you guys and see what you thought about breakfast theology over the last four years and of course the content's still going to be around you know it's not like it's disappearing it's right be there for uh, for the ages till some someone's spotify servers crash or something <laughs> A supercomputer decrypts every security system and wipes all our data out or something like that. But <laughs> that would be wild. Yeah. And I was I was just thinking about it too. So from the start of breakfast theology to now, hmm. a lot of life has happened for me in that mm. amount of time. You know, it started when I was a few months away from graduating uh, at, at Bible at, College. At the Bible College. Yeah. So I've. In this time of breakfast theology, I have graduated, got married, moved to Arizona, did an internship, moved to Michigan with uh, my first pastorate, and uh, that's actually coming to a uh, close here too for me. It's just interesting that a lot of things are wrapping up at the same time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot, of, a lot of life, and I've been very happy and blessed to be able to join both Chuck and Josiah. We've been happy to have you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember listening to these episodes, or the beginning, first few episodes back in Arizona in 2020, and being like, it'd be kind of fun to be a part of that. And then Then you moved here, yeah? Yeah, then I moved here and I was. Did you know I've been recording Breakfast Theology for a seventh of my life? (laughs) You were further away from... Yeah. Before the podcast episode, we were just thinking about interesting history and timelines and how... We were just talking about Chuck's age. Not that... It, it's impressive. And time is an interesting thing. Yeah. You know... What is the speed of time? Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. T- technically... According to Einstein's theories, time is a relative to your gravitational field. Well, it's it's experienced the same no matter where you're at, but relative to someone else in a different gravitational field, it's different. 
They should make a whole movie based on that premise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was the name of that? It wasn't Interstellar. Yeah, it was. Was it Interstellar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They totally had that time relativity uh, concept. You know, like he would go to the planet and he was there for like a few hours and comes back to the spaceship and they're like all old. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's another one about black holes and things. Like an event horizon. I don't know, maybe. Wait, isn't isn't Interstellar the one with Chris Pratt? Where he like is on that ship and they're like he wakes up from cryogenic sleep and there's like Where am I? Oh. I don't think I saw that one. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if people are listening, all right, guys, let's uh, <laughs> move this along. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Oh, and some water as well. So today, uh, I couldn't make up my mind what I wanted for breakfast, being my last breakfast theology episode. Half of the half of the thing here, so uh, I got the split decision. Except I traded out uh, the pancakes for hash browns. I didn't want pancakes and French toast. I'm not a huge pancakey French toast guy, but French toast has like a savoryness to it because of the egg batter and all that. So I had the spicy plebano eggs Benedict. Uh, it was. It was pretty great. Can't complain about it. It was, it was nice. And I ended up with the Belgian waffle <laughs> combo. Mm. Say that fast a couple of times. <laughs> Belgian waffle combo. Belgian waffle combo. Bel- Belgian waffle combo. <laughs> At this point in my life, this is the wealthiest I've ever been with pan coin. <laughs> yeah, IHOP has a reward system. I have 67 pan coin right now on my account. How many? 67. Which is just, you know. And they're you know, when I was more valuable than a single dollar. They have a higher. <laughs> when I was a kid, I never thought I would be so wealthy in pan coin. I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> and and here I am, yeah. Can you, like, get a t-shirt? No, I don't think so. I could probably... I think I can get a few video games and free free entrees, but that's about it. My favorite fact about the pan coin from IHOP is that where you go to redeem your coins is called the stack market. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good name. That's a, that's a good little clever pun. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Coffee? Uh, sure, yeah. So today, for our last episode, which I think is appropriate, and because, you know, there's a obviously a natural transition happening here with breakfast theology, but there's just, life is always changing. Seasons are always changing. That's true. And so today we're talking about serving God through different seasons. Hmm. Being faithful uh, in service, no matter no matter where you are in life and what you're doing, and that, I just thought it would be something to leave you guys on and leave us on as an encouragement um, and support, you know, for all those people listening that 
even if things change in your life, a core foundational thing that doesn't change is your ability to serve God. Or it shouldn't, anyway. Yeah. I just, uh, the first thing that came to my mind, well, and one of the reasons this came to my mind, is I uh, finished up a series on Ecclesiastes in the last, like, couple months. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 talks about this moment for seasons. Where, you know, it's time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, time to uproot what is planted, time to kill, time to heal, and the list goes on. Um, but I think part of the wisdom, um, I think Solomon wrote the book, although it's not conclusive, the, the preacher, um, I think some of the wisdom they're trying to impart on us is that there are different seasons. Yeah. You know, like the, the reality of life is that things change and that change is constant right <laughs> the only thing that doesn't change is that change happens yeah you know there's always this give and take this movement of life time doesn't stand still even if we really want it to and it doesn't go faster even if we really want it to and i think a part of what uh, does seasons justice is recognizing that seasons are a thing and living in them we can live in the past. We can rework scenarios. We can try to live in the future and always, you know, be dreaming. And fantasy. Right. Or and always be anxious. Right. Or always be anxious and worrying. But the truth is that the best way to live is in the present. Yeah. Learning from your past and having hope for the future. Yeah. So, like, it's not bad to plan and it's not bad to retrospect. But to live in either of those places does a disservice to us and to the God that we serve. Because He has called us to do things now, to work now. Yeah. As I love how a few different biblical authors say, or as long as it is called today, you know, whereas, like, in the evil day, you need to be on your guard against the evil one. So, there's just, like, this continued idea of, like, the presentness of our faith that it's a daily walk a daily bread that we get right. or Jesus you know saying don't worry about tomorrow's today has enough troubles of its own you know right yeah an emphasis on the day the season yeah I don't know Chuck you've been alive a lot longer than an Isaac Isaac and I actually combined combined you've been alive longer yeah don't forget it yeah <laughs> I won't <laughs> What has uh, what has life taught you about seasons? Well, they change. And I would think of it more as the circumstances you find yourself in. Whether it's getting older. I've always wanted to be older. <laughs> when I was 15, I couldn't wait to be 16. Mm -hmm. Driver's license and all. Right. Yeah. And I couldn't wait to be 21. I couldn't wait to be 30 because there was something magical about turning 30. I don't remember what that was. Then they get stacked up on you real high. And it's like, I might be getting close to the end here. The jumping off place. Things do change. 
the older I lived, the more I come to realize that there's a point in life where life starts taking things away more than it gives you. You know, as you mentioned earlier, graduating from college, getting married, those are all good things. Getting your internship, moving to Michigan. When you get older, you can't put your socks on. <laughs> now without trepidation. Yeah. A lot of struggle and suffering. Mm. My last milestone to look forward to is well, one, I've always wanted gray hair or white hair. I think it's, it's cool. That's convenient. Yeah, it is. Um, Amber said she found a few white hairs in my hair the other day, and I got really excited. She was confused, but... <laughs> um, turning 35 is the last milestone I have to look forward to, because then I could theoretically run for president. <laughs> That's my last, my last age milestone. Mm. Or when I turn 55, then I can start putting more money in my Roth IRA. And, you know, there are a few other retirement milestones as far as numbers go, but I think uh, there are a couple passages. One that specifically jumped out to me in this conversation is Philippians chapter 4. And like the verse 13, you know, it's on the locker room of every semi-religious soccer or football team in the U.S., you know. Mm-hmm. I can do all things and him who strengthens me, right? Yeah. So it's like, right. like, are we talking about one sports game here? What are we talking about? <laughs> What's the context? <laughs> but I think the trueness of what Paul is saying here is about... <laughs> learning to live in your season and how with the strength of Christ in our lives and, and God's our reliance on God we can get through every season faithfully verse 10 says but I rejoice in the Lord greatly but now at last you have revived your concern for me indeed you were concerned before but you lacked an appropriate opportunity to act so I I look at this verse too and I see Paul is realizing that um the church in Philippi, which he's writing to, they missed an opportunity to live in the moment, mm. to help him out when they could have. Mm. And verse 11 says, Now that I speak from need, not, excuse me, not that I speak from need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with little, and I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my difficulty. So, what Paul is saying here, I think, is that it's not our circumstances that bring us security in life. Right. It is Christ who does. Yeah. And and I look at that, and I also say, (laughs) with a daily dependence on Christ, despite our circumstances, we also will be reminded to continually serve Him despite our circumstances. 
So like having this whole attitude is like a it's a compound thing, yeah. where you rely on God daily, you rely on Christ daily, and you serve them daily, no matter your circumstances. Right. I think we could easily take Paul's words and say, "I have learned to serve Christ no matter where I am and what I'm doing." You know, whether I'm locked in prison, I'm free walking the streets of Jerusalem. You know. Mm-hmm. Or another phrase he said is, to live is Christ. Yeah. (laughs) To live is Christ. Yeah, Yeah, I I think that's really significant to see the context of this passage. Because you're right, like a lot of people quote that verse 13. And it's almost like the (laughs) idea of, oh, anything I put my mind to, I can do it. Because God can be my magic genie in a bottle to make it happen or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot more richness and depth with the context here. No. A part of it, this episode too is I was thinking about you know breakfast theology coming to an end, mm-hmm. and I see that as a a season, you know. But like yeah. ministry isn't stopping for me, right? You know, so it's not like after this, what am I gonna do to serve God? You know, like right. there's no question that there is something out there. Absolutely. And I kind of hop back and forth. You know, trying to want to talk about this or like talk about using our gifts for God or finding opportunities and the daily things to serve. But I, I kind of just concluded they're all pretty much the same idea that uh, we have been gifted. I think that's something we don't talk about enough by the Spirit to do th- certain things. And I think that we also have been given certain times to do certain things. Right. And I think God yeah, leads us exactly to exactly and from like different places and different times, ago. sometimes despite our understanding, like I guess most of the time, sometimes driven by feelings or prayer confirmation from other people. You know, there's a variety of ways that he does it. But what we always see is that no matter what we're doing, as long as we're doing it for God and God is... Directing us, yeah, well, it's bringing you know, him glory. Yeah. Which is, I think, our goal. My, I had, I had one good chip. Whatever you're doing, do it part. for God's glory. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I claim that whole Yeah. So in the midst of all of the change in your life, and even you yourself yeah. will have change in life. There is, there is things that stay constant or should stay constant. And especially if you're going to say that Jesus that walked through 2,000 years ago in Nazareth and is still alive today is your Lord and Savior. That constant is serving, worshiping God, giving Him the glory. Considering the conditions. I have a passage too. Yeah. Or at least just something to reference. Yeah. Um, for First uh, Peter four eighteen is one that is coming to my mind in this in this topic. Um, there's a quick verse here that reads, um, or excuse me, verse nineteen, not verse eighteen. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. Um, you know, there's this idea of. Um, Regardless of what happens, sometimes, even if it's a bad thing, right? Even if the season changes, going in a way you wouldn't want, there's still that same constant faith that needs to be there, the same faithful service. 
sometimes the season change is like a good thing still. Or like, it's not like one is better than the other. It could just be like, simply change. And we still worship and praise God. But that still needs to be an expectation, even if it goes from something we consider to be maybe comfortable or pleasant to something not as pleasant. We still... Uh, Kind of goes back to your episode. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. There's, Last there's definitely more involved. Yeah, yeah. Like this is definitely like a foundation that needs to have in your heart and mind as a Christian for you to do anything we talked about in last episode. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have the uh, desire in your mind that I'm going to faithfully serve God, period. Then when the hard times come. It's going to be like the seed that's surrounded by the roots that choke out on the shallow ground, and you're going to walk out of your faith. Yeah. You know? In the Sunday school class, studying the parable of the sower, mm-hmm. and last week we did the seed that fell by the on the rocky ground and didn't have much earth. Yeah. When it sprang up, the sun came out and scorched it. Yeah. Matthew says because there was not enough moisture. So thinking about that, I made a connection to John chapter 15, the first four or five verses about the vine and the branches mm-hmm. being connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need to have that connection with Christ. And I heard that through what you were saying. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what happens as long as we're connected to the vine and able to receive from the vine that divine juice that passes through the, the vine to the branches and we can be fruitful. We are going to be receiving the nutrients necessary to bear fruit. And this, I've heard an interesting interpretation of, you know, in, on the triumphal entry, Jesus passes by the fig tree. Yeah. And he goes to it and he finds no fruit. And then he curses it. Well, it's also not the time of the year that fruit should be there. It's early in the year. You know, if there was any fruit, it wouldn't be right on this fig tree yet in that area of the world. And you think, well, that's really unfair <laughs> right. to expect this tree to be bearing fruit when it's not supposed to. So why would he curse it? It's because when he came to the tree, it didn't do what he asked. And I think it's this metaphor, or at least partially, of our life. You know, if we're this fig tree and Jesus passes by and he says, okay, let's get some fruit going, and we don't, mm-hmm. we're like the the branch that doesn't bear any fruit in John 15. You know, yeah. the Father will come along and prune the unnecessary to give success to the other branches. Right. And even the, the branches, this is a crazy thing about horticulture, even the very, very fruitful branches get trimmed back so that they bear more fruit, so they have more ramification. Mm. And when an apple tree gets too big, it is cut hard back at the right season so that it can regrow and re-sprout and essentially it reinvigorates that tree. 
which uh, I think we're kind of disconnected from the agricultural side of the Bible, you know, yeah. today. But, you know, these kinds of things would have been pretty common uh, place, you know, as you grew your own food to live. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you, you yeah. understand these things. Yeah. So sometimes we are in the seasons of being pruned so that we can grow more, you know, but we should always be bearing fruit. Yeah. Always in some stage of production. And it's good to recognize what. See how I say this. Fruit does not always look the same. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it uh, sounds kind of obvious in real life. Like, right? There's all kinds of different kind of fruit. But that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Is one season. Maybe is supposed to be producing a certain type of fruit that another season is supposed to be producing. Just like how an apple tree is going to produce different kinds of fruit than an avocado tree. And so there's some discernment, I think, there too for what season am I in in life? What is God's intent and goal for me in this season? And I want to make that happen. Right, so you shouldn't expect that every season of your life, regardless of the change, you should be producing the same kind of fruit. Right, I think that might be a good thing to note. Is We might accidentally really discourage ourselves with the idea that we need to be fruitful at all times if we accidentally tell ourselves that what's considered fruit is the same outcome. You know, like, oh, to be fruitful is to have... I don't know, like baptisms throughout the year that I do or like evangelizing and doing this particular ministry you know your fruit for one season can be I need to take some time to like heal and recover from something and that's fruitful and another season can be now I need to get up and like serve in my church some way that could be the fruit there and another season can be I need to like let go of this ministry and train up the next person to do the ministry. That can be the fruitfulness for you there. You know? And so we might discourage ourselves if we think that fruit always has to look the same in our life. Um, regardless of the season. Well, I got a story Let's hear it. about lemon trees. <laughs> I grew up here and I know apples are going to start blossoming. The trees will blossom here shortly. Yep. Right around late April, early May. Yeah. Mm. And once they blossom, then you can expect the little apple buds to show up. And they'll grow till they get ripe. And you pick them. We had a lemon tree at the church there in Pomona. Craziest thing I saw, I still don't understand it, but this thing had ripe lemons on it. Little green ones and blossoms all at the same time. Wow. Wow. I don't know nothing about it, except it was certainly strange. Yeah, that's pretty peculiar. That's really interesting. Yeah, that is strange. 
think it's probably a good metaphor for the church in our discussion. You know, like yeah. different people, different functions of the church are bearing different kinds of fruit at different times, you know, or different stages. Yeah. Of, Not all at once. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that. I know that. I'm saying you have the kind of different stages of development, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I mean, in Michigan, we have very distinct seasons, you know, so things are very regular, like, moving through. But I guess in a warmer place, like a tropical environment, where it's nearly the same all year long, it's maybe a wet or dry season. Yeah. But, you know, it makes perfect sense that I guess I can flower for the next five months because I'll be able to grow fruit for the next nine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, there's a hotel that I've heard of in Arizona that promises that if you stay there and it rains during your time there, they'll give you the night free. <laughs> because they can pretty much count on not really losing that much money in that policy. That's crazy. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. A couple other passages that I think of. Yeah. Just ones that kind of touch on the subject a little bit. Romans 12.1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So we've been moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We're under a new covenant. So there's no longer these old sacrificial systems. But that doesn't mean that we still can't sacrifice. Just because we can't take a lamb to the altar on Passover, you know, or we can't, like, pour out our grain offering on the altar. Right. We can still present our bodies, our lives, as a living and holy sacrifice. So, it's this, this kind of this thing that we can keep killing over and over again. Mm. You know, keep giving over and over again. Right. It's our life. Yeah. And that is a spiritual service of worship. Mm Mm-hmm. So to be living in your season and to be faithfully serving God is the best way to worship Him. Yeah. Is to be giving of your life on a daily basis. No argument. I hope there's not one. Does Paul describe being a living sacrifice in the rest of chapter 12? Well, verse verse 2 talks about transforming our minds, like taking those things captive, which is an effort to, like, give of our our desires and conform them to Christ. Talks about using spiritual gifts on that benefit of the body as a whole, you know, giving of yourself to build up the body. We're not one man, we're multiple people in the body of Christ and thus don't be like uh, prideful over others in that because it's a group effort so to speak yeah that's I would yeah I mean as I'm reading just tidbits here yeah Mm -hmm. what we're seeing here is the a correct ethic and understanding of of living as a Christian yeah I think to be and if sacrificial. It, down towards the end of the ch- chapter, <laughs> overcome <laughs> evil with good. Yeah. Yeah, the last verse, do not over- be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's the last verse. Yeah, I always uh, thought that would make a pretty good sermon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If he had left, had enough time. 
Yeah, Romans 12 is a great chapter. It really is. Yeah. Oh, verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. I wonder where you learned that. <laughs> I wonder where you heard that from. Maybe yeah. his Lord and Savior. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're thinking about, you know, we're in the new covenant, so we're not like having to make our sacrifices anymore, but we still are giving of ourselves as a sacrifice. You know, in many ways, Jesus, obviously, and always, he was trying to fulfill the scripture, right? And so Jesus is pointing out that God had these laws and practices in place for the people. Because he was trying to cultivate a certain perspective and way of life in your heart. Like there is a deeper spirit and wisdom of that law that Jesus was pointing out. And I think Paul's talking about that here. Where what God was trying to cultivate in the people of Israel, deep down at the fundamental level, was have your life be of sacrifice. And he's like getting them that a stepping stone towards that by giving up of their resources and trusting him. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's like the ultimate pinnacle of what it means to give a sacrifice to God is to let yourself be that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's very profound. Like obediently go to death, even death on a cross. Yeah. It's a very uh, profound. Very profound. I also heard that Drew said he didn't get And the one, the one last passage I had that came to my mind is 1 Corinthians 15. The whole chapter is talking about um, you know, resurrection and um, the fulfillment of the end times, yeah. how the kingdom of God is coming, how we are going to inherit it, how we're going to be changed to the immortality at the very end, talking about the next age and how we're going to be transformed and the defeat of death. Yeah. And so the last season that we ever get to live in is the eternal perfect season. And so a part of properly living today is with a hope of that in mind. Mm-hmm. So that's what a, that season that we are looking forward to, that age, is what allows us to walk confidently in this one right. through all kinds of trials and persecutions and difficulties. Amen. 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 So Paul goes and he explains all of this stuff all through 1 Corinthians 15. In the last verse, he says... Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be firm and movable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. No matter how you feel. No matter how you feel. Know up here that no matter what you're doing for the Lord, it's not going to be in vain. No matter what it looks like. Even if it looks totally stupid and fruitless and... You're just worn down, and you feel like you're going to break. Right. And this makes, I think, a lot of special meaning when you think about the context, right? Like, who's Paul talking to? The first century church that are a bunch of home churches that are probably hated by both the government over them, and probably many people find them estranged and, and persecute them, and... They can maybe feel kind of small and like, what's the 12 people in this house going to do to change the world? And Paul's saying, might not look like you're, like, don't let the future shape the way you're seeing your present. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not in vain. That's remarkable. It's remarkable. Yeah. Be immovable, mm. firm, excelling in the work of the Lord. 
Yeah. Just kind of these very strong words. Yeah. You know. If well, yeah, it echoes Jesus' words when he said, whoever endures to the end will be saved. Right. How many times, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but how many times in the letters to the seven churches does Jesus say, he who overcomes, he who overcomes. I am pro this guy. It's at the beginning, I think it's at the beginning of every single address to the churches, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The end of everyone. It's Revelation yeah. 2 and 3 of those chapters where he's talking to those churches. Yeah. I heard one one man's idea that the whole book of Revelation is about overcoming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. talks about the uh, the martyrs. That's the word saints. That's used in the book of Revelation is the word martyr. You know, those who give of their life. Witnesses. Yeah, witnesses. Those whose life testimony shows who Christ is right. and their belief in Christ. And so he says those people are the ones who are going to inherit the world. You know, like, I like how it says, you know, it's like using this metaphor in the saints. The blood is crying out to, yeah. to Christ. And it's like how long, how much longer. Which is reflective of so many passages in the Old yeah. Testament when God says the blood of the innocent <coughs> is crying out to me. Mm -hmm. And it's not forgotten. That's what Revelation, it's in Ecclesiastes 2, not in, as in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, but it's in Ecclesiastes also, where it says that uh, God recalls things from the past. He brings to account things which have been done. Right. And so there's this, this promise that we have in this moment right now that God will not forget us mm. when, it, when the time comes. You are not lost in time. No. Um, different. That's a very special thought to me. Yes, it is. You are unforgettable. Well, thank you. <laughs> your sins and your good things. <laughs> yeah, that should both give you a, a nerve down your spine and uh, and a comfort at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I heard a guy mention the other day that it's isn't it a good thing that our thoughts are not public? <laughs> like yeah. you have a, yes. you've got a monitor above your head that's displaying what you're thinking. Oh man, that would be so bad. <laughs> oh man. I remember before someone asked me, like, hey, would you like the ability to be able to mind read? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> I don't need to know all the thoughts people have. It may be selectively. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. It has a built-in filter to just tell me things I want to know about their thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to read these, but a couple other, like, just story references in Scripture that go to this well. I think of, like, Joshua 1. Right? What is yeah. that if not a transition, a big transition of season for Israel's time from mm -hmm. Moses? Like, out of all the Old Testament, he was one that looked closest, like, is he the promised Messiah to come? You know, like, a lot of them probably could have thought that. He came down from interacting with God glowing, you know? 
the death of him moving to Joshua, Israel moving from the wilderness to the actual promised land they've been waiting for for hundreds of years. Like this is definitely a season change. But and uh, there's still faithfulness that needs to be had in that, and the fruit of that looks different. And they uh, that, that transition and season changes there. Uh, as Ecclesiastes, there's a time of peace, a time of war. There's some conflicts that they had in the wilderness, but nothing like what the what they're about to have in <laughs> Joshua. Right, that was a different level of season of war. Right? Um, there's another season from Joshua to the book of Judges yeah. where it was a season handled improperly. Yeah. You know, where they weren't living for God in that season. Yeah. It says when all who were in the wilderness with Joseph, all the kids, you know, those people who lived through that, when they died off, it's all of a sudden like they forgot. Right. Started doing whatever they wanted. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Acts chapter 1 to 2, or really the Gospels to Acts chapter 2, is a season change. A big one. Of Jesus' ministry on earth to Jesus' ministry in heaven. And the, and the church age starting and exploding. You know, I try to put myself sometimes in the shoes of what the kind of pressure and nerves would be there if I were one of the disciples. You go... Well, it's kind of up to us now. You know, like, well, not that it's up to us, but, like, like it's on you know, us. It's yeah. on us. Like, he's not there to, like, lead us around physically here anymore. We have to... But he, we have the Spirit now. Yes. Which is the power that... Jesus said that would be an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Crazy thing. Think about this. Jesus says, you will do greater works than I. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That's right? That's really cool. It's <laughs> nuts. Do <laughs> even greater works than I. Like that's that's crazy. That's yeah, like it's, it's been entrusted to us to take this message or the gospel to where we can, you know. Yeah. Faithfully serve in your season. Yeah. yeah. That's very timely for me personally. Uh, one season is ending, another one's beginning for me uh, in a lot of ways. And so it's good to know that, as Paul said, my labors are not in vain, and there might be change that happens in my life, but I don't. Like my my consistency to faithfully serve God. Your connection. Not, my connection is not. You know. Yep. Circumstances change. God does not change. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that concludes the last episode of Breakfast Theology. Should old acquaintance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we can have a, a whole fanfare, you know, four, three parts. Uh, I was about to say three-part quartet. <laughs> that is different. That is a uh, definition. Literally not possible. <laughs> we'll have a three-sided square. Yep. Yeah. Any closing thoughts, you guys? Well, I believe it would be appropriate for you to say it to be able to share the closing thoughts. Uh, well, yeah, well, I mean, this is the, the whole thing here. Uh, is there anything you guys wanted to say to the people listening? One of the most 
encouraging and upbuilding and fruitful things that we can do with brothers and sisters in Christ is talk about and share faith and scripture to each other, like what we've been doing. Yeah, that's the whole heart of breakfast theology. Yeah, it's the whole breakfast theology. And encourage you, if this is the main way you do that, that's been great. I encourage you to try having your own breakfast theologies to, with your friends and family around you. It's a beautiful and fruitful thing to do. Yeah. Those are my final thoughts. Anything you want to say, Chuck, to the people? Stay the course. Mm-hmm. Run the race that's set before you. Nobody has to run mine. And I don't have to run anybody else's. Amen. The baseball players. The time when the t- when the time comes, if it comes, that you are not faithful in the season change of life, you're going to regret it. Yeah, you will regret it. The uh, thing you mentioned early on, you can't go back and change it. There is no time machine. It's all fantasy. And that's the best way, I think, to uh, avoid regret. That's to live faithfully for God in the moment. Mm. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of things you can waste your time on and regret. Or make the wrong choice and regret. Mm-hmm. But it will never be the wrong choice or a waste of time to serve God because yep. your labor is not in vain your labor is not in vain well thank you guys for listening to us and thank you for being a faithful audience over these 100 episodes I've really enjoyed uh, doing this and I'm looking forward to the next season that an opportunity that God opens up for us and for you guys We are officially signing off. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. I was going to say until next time, but that's not it. Yeah, I even said we'll talk to you later, but we're not intending to, so goodbye. (laughs) God bless.